Welcome to Empire Building, the podcast where we talk about building big businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your co-host, Sarah Reynolds. I'm Seychelle Van Poole. I'm Wendy Papazan. I'm Via Williams. Today, we are going to go through our top books of 2020. There were so many lessons this year, so many lessons and so many great books. And I think for, for me, why uh, this is such an important topic is that I have read more books this year than I think I've read in the last five years. And I've done a combination this year of paper, you know, reading paper and Audible. And I, you know, there's an argument for both, but for me, Audible's been a huge blessing because it's enabled me to get more content in. And, and what I do, and, and I guess my hack to anybody is if you have a lot of time where you can listen to Audible, listen to Audible, and then go back and read a book if it really mm-hmm. speaks to you and you feel like you need to process it visually, right? And kind of write in the margins and that kind of a thing. So I think the format here is we all chose our top three. There's some overlap, but we all chose our top three for the year. They didn't have to be written this year. These are books that we read this year. And we're going to walk through our lessons, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So um, who wants to go first? Well, I can jump in. Um, I'm actually going to start with a non-business book. I don't know if anybody else has a novel on on list. But the reason I chose this one was that I'm a big reader. My goal is always to read three books a month. Uh, so typically, I read about 36 books in a year. And when the pandemic hit, for whatever reason, my brain was kind of paralyzed or maybe it was just because I was working so much. I had a really, really hard time reading. I would pick up a book and I, and I just couldn't mm. read it. Mm-hmm. And so this book uh, is the novel that like knocked me back into reading. Um, it's called Recursion. Kind of a weird, um, a weird spelling, not a weird spelling, but a, a, re- a weird word. It's R E C U R S I O N, and it's by Blake Crouch. Mm. And it's just a really fun thriller. I actually sent out multiple copies to, to different friends of mine. A uh, total page turner about time, about identity, about memory, kind of a, you know, a little bit of a mind, mess with your mind kind of book. And um, it just, it just really got me back into reading and just a really fun page turner. So I'm just going to, Thank you that. For, for getting me back, <laughs> kicking me out of the pandemic and back into the real world. Hey, Wendy, before that. you awesome. go to your other ones, I just want to like, you know, reinforce that I go through phases like that too. I think a lot of people do, where mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I just go through reading, maybe it's called a binge phase. I don't know. But where <laughs> I, I kind of get out of the habit for a while. And, and I totally know what you mean about a book kick, kickstarting you back in. Yep. Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'm so, on the personal side. The uh, one that, I like I love to read memoirs or about history and I don't know why but I think maybe it's cuz it's my grandparents generation but World War II just fascinates me like I just think there's it, it impacted so much of the world and there were so many different countries and generations and just pieces that played into that and so one that one that I just finished reading and I I really appreciated was it's called The Splendid and the Vile it's by Eric Larson and it's a saga. It's Churchill, it's a saga right? Yeah, it's a saga of Churchill, a saga of Churchill family, and the defiance during the Blitz um, over England. And it it is written from the perspective of um, they went through all of Churchill's diaries. Mm. They went through John Colville, who worked was like basically his undersecretary and took all the notes of all the meetings and actually kept a really robust personal diary as well. And like all of his cabinet, all of his people, they he, this Eric spent. I mean, his references is almost as thick as the book is because he, the he poured over 
thousands. It's called The Splendid and the Vile. What a great title. And it's by Eric yeah. Larson. And it's, I mean, it's it's not like a, 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 as Wendy just said, right? She just had a page turner. This one is like pretty detailed, but I just found it fascinating. Um, learning all these little personal details about Churchill that I didn't know. I mean, did you know he like took baths and had meetings while he would like take a bath? Yes. And yeah. like people would just sit in the bathtub with, you know, like in the bathroom with him while he's just like naked taking a bath. I don't know. There were... Wow. That is obviously Hashtag not the goals. point. Yeah, do you yeah, know what else he did? Not the point yeah, of the yeah. book, but I mean, it was just like, wow, these leaders that we put up on these pedestals all have these like eccentric, you know, quirks that we all all have and just how it all played together and and just the lessons of, you know, defiance and no matter what your reality is, right? Your mindset and revolve to succeed, you know, resolve Mm. to succeed can matter above everything else. And that's really when Churchill had no allies helping him. He he still had the resolve that America was going to work it out. And like, it really shows how hard he had to try to bring America to his aid. And I don't, it just, it really inspired Inspired me in a time when we are winning a pandemic ourselves um, of what of what it takes to to get through it. Did you guys uh, know my mom? You know my mom's British. You guys know mm-hmm. she's British, but she was born in 1940. She was, mm. uh, she was from East London, very poor part of yeah. London. She was born in 1940, and um, uh, they they sent the kids and the moms away to the country. Yes. yes, and then she came back, and when she was a toddler they would play in the rubble of all the bombs from the Blitz. And she would wow. tell stories of going in bomb shelters. Yeah, and, oh, yeah. Uh, she would tell stories of the doodle wow. bugs where um, they would be really loud. You'd hear the planes and you're wondering, mm-hmm. is it going to get our street? And right. then there'd be silence. And they knew when there was silence, they had dropped the doodle, the doodle bugs yes. had bo- dropped the bombs mm-hmm. and they were waiting for the explosion. Yeah. And everyone mm. would pray. No one would say a word. Then you'd hear it go off and you go, it's not us. Not us. Essentially. Wow. And then the next day, the the kids that that, they'd play in the rubble and they called it rubble. And they would play in the rubble. And there are stories of Winston Churchill standing Mm -hmm. on roofs. Yes. On his roof. Yep. Shooting guns at those, you know, enemy planes. I can't wait. And his daughter, his daughter was like one of the top machine gun, like Mary, his youngest daughter, one of the top machine gun women that um, actually became quite well known for her bravery because she would be up on the rooftop shooting out and was like super ticked during World War II when she was like 17 when it broke out that she couldn't get engaged earlier. Yeah, Via, you have to read it. It wow. was, I, I it was sure. so good. And they and they, they detail like how many incendiaries were dropped or the doodle bugs were dropped over each flyover. And yeah, wow. it, it it for me was just so one good. of those like yeah. really good. If you're If you're a history person and you like you know, learning about those sorts of things. That was a really good one. I might get it from my mom too. So before we get into, I know we have a lot of business books. Can I give one of mine? Because it's in this vein. Mm -hmm. It's not like a hardcore Mm -hmm. business book. And I feel like we're going to get into that in a bit. But it's a book called Stillness is the Key Mm. by Ryan Holiday, one of my faves. He's he's not only a favorite author, he's kind of one of my favorite thought leaders. He, um, I follow, he's got the Stoics Journal and a bunch of things, but the context was um, the pandemic started February 29th in Kirkland, Washington. The first yes. COVID case hit the US, uh, my hometown. Not just Seattle, Kirkland, my hometown. Mm-hmm. And I went on the trip of a lifetime, really a bucket list for a really big birthday I had this year. And I was uh, in the Maldives and a pin drop in the middle of the Indian Ocean. If you Google it, it is nothing, you know, nothing in the scale of this world. You were near Literally, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally, I buy the Seychelles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you my people. All the Seychelles. <laughs> and I uh, I turned my phone off for 48 hours, which is a big deal for me. Yeah. we had Wi-Fi there. Right, you know, and, and it was a big birthday and, you know, it was tempting. I knew I'd get a dopamine hit just getting mm-hmm. all the texts and the wonderful things, right? And I turned my phone off and I read that book. I was with just my husband and I and spent mm-hmm. a ton of time in stillness. And so the book is kind of broken down into three parts, mind, soul, and body. And it's essentially, you know, what what the directives are and thoughts on achieving stillness in each place. Mm. And um, and I think Ooh. that the big takeaway, and I, I do encourage you to read the book. If you're maybe an expert in that field, this might be a little bit basic for you. For most of us, though, it's a good, it's a good book to kind of slow you down a little bit. Mm. But I think that one of the biggest takeaways I got is this stillness is an escapism. So it was kind of the concept of distinguishing escapism from um, true purposeful stillness. Mm. And really the the difference is, is the intention behind it. Mm. You know, So there's a lot of people that kind of it, it operate in a lot of escapism that's actually not stillness. They're not content. They're not working on the right things. They're not... You know they're not being purposeful about the work, mm. and and so I, it was. I really recommend it, and it remind. It, it, before we get into the hardcore business books, I think that this is kind of the personal section of the whole list. So that's so, good. So how did you know that to say that before I ha- had my first one, Bia? You knew well, it was going to be more business oriented. And mine are too. We know Sarah. You're totally we judging me. You. Okay, no, mine Sarah, are too, I know. Sarah. It's okay. I know. I know. Uh, well, mine it's personal and of course uh, business oriented, but I have read. It multiple times this year and studied it. Uh, Tax-free wealth, oh, and such a good book. Um, it, by Tom Wheelwright. Yes, and it has been. So the concepts are different. So the biggest thing for me from the book is just understanding um, how our government sets up tax benefits and the benefit of them in terms of you know we think it's sort of our american duty or this is across mm-hmm. the country this is across the world not just america uh to pay taxes right uh but it it, act- it actually they set up uh tax benefits for helping achieve what they're wanting us as a country to achieve right so just that whole concept of why taxes are there and mm-hmm. uh, what you can do to um, do what the government is needing, basically. And then at the same time, you get uh, tax write-offs. And it was it was a big deal for me just because I grew up... My grandparents were like blue-collar workers, amazing in terms of savings and things like that. And my, my dad's a, a pastor, hasn't made you know, tons of money uh, in, in ministry, obviously. And then uh, my mom got into real estate. And uh, thankfully, through Keller Williams and through uh, real estate, I've, I've learned more about money. And my family doesn't know a ton about m- money, m- m- big money when I say money. Mm-hmm. And, and I've struggled uh, with uh, this sort of new thing of even having money <laughs> uh, mm. and what to do with it. And what, what are the wise things? I believe in being a good steward and to whom much is given, much is required and making sure that we're using it in the best way. So that's been a really uh, big book for me this year and read it multiple times. So so Sarah, I saw, I saw Tom Wheelwright um, speak for about 90 minutes last year. And, and I agree. My takeaway was that tax laws are designed to sort of socially engineer and stimulate certain sectors. Yeah. I didn't look at it that way. So yeah. if, if you're getting a tax break on you know, buying a commercial building, it's because they want you to get that tax break on mm-hmm. buying yeah. the commercial building. Mm-hmm. They yeah. want you to buy the commercial building. And it's a total paradigm shift 
from, yes, I'm not shirking on my obligation. I'm actually, you know, I'm actually being engineered in a way that helps everybody. So, yes. Yeah. 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 It's been a big one for me this year. So, not as fun as y'all's. I mean, I, I'm that's a good, your books. That's a good book. Oh, it's a really good yeah. book. Yeah. Really fun, good. fun is in the eye yeah. of the reader. It's that's true. true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> well, the next two books, I read a lot of books about money. Um, mm-hmm. I thought a lot about money during during the pandemic. Obviously, we're all um, worried about money. A lot of people lost their jobs. Um, yep. The economy is kind of going in the tank. And uh, probably my next favorite book that I read was called The Psychology of Money. It's probably the best book on money that I've ever read, if I'm honest. It's by Morgan Housel. And the book begins with a hotel worker talking about a guest that came into the hotel and the guest comes into the hotel and he's got a really fancy car and he's not being very nice. And he orders someone at the hotel to go down to the local, what do you call it? Like not like thrift store, but um convenience store. store. Like a like a pawn shop. Sorry, guys. Oh, oh pawn a shop. little brain fart there. <laughs> so to go to the pawn shop, um, he gives them a, the hotel concierge a big stack of money and says, Go and buy as many gold coins as you can at this pawn shop. And so the concierge comes back, gives this guy a bunch of coins. And the next thing you see this guy doing is he walks out to the edge of this pier and he starts just throwing these coins into the water. <laughs> this is a man that's obviously very, very wealthy, just throwing his his coins into the water. And um, and then the, the story kind of evolves and he talks about later how this guy eventually, who was very wealthy, ended up losing all his money, declaring bankruptcy, and basically just mm. what, what you would expect right. um, from somebody who has that attitude around money. And that's how the book starts. And it's, it's, it's really the premise of the book is that we all have different... What makes money so interesting is that we're, we all have different ideas around the psychology of money. We all have different yeah. thoughts and feelings mm-hmm. about it. When we actually feel that money is more like a science, you know, mm. when we think of money, we think of like, oh, it's numbers and it's science. Mm-hmm. But really, so many of our financial choices are emotional, right? Yeah. Which I thought yeah. was a big aha for me because yes. it's like we think yeah. about it as science, but really so yes. much of what we do is how we manage it, how we invest mm-hmm. it, how we make business decisions are um, are not mathematical calculations. Yeah. They're really decisions that we base that that were based on the way we grew up. So um, that was super interesting. And then some of the highlights from that book were um, they talk about Ronald Reed. Um, Some of you might might have heard of him. He was a janitor who, uh, like a gas station attendant Mm -hmm. who ended up amassing $8 million in the stock market on a janitor salary. And he he died and gave away $6 million to some charitable things and then $2 million to his family. And my takeaway from that was that we all um, we all wanted wanted to be like Ronald after he died, but probably most of us don't want to be like Ronald right. when he's living, which is yeah. you know really frugal, this kind of like buy and hold strategy, mm-hmm. um, long term investing, and um, and then there's lots of other like good stories about human psychology in there. So it's just a really really different way of looking at finances and and how our experiences shape our decisions. Um, and then there's just lots of, lots of really good stories in there. So highly recommend awesome. that. I love that. You have another one about money too, right? I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got another one about money and it's by JL Collins. I actually read it two times this year. 
It's called yeah. the, the Simple Path to Wealth. Yeah, and I don't typically read a lot of books more than once. But The Simple Path to Wealth is really about financial freedom. Um, and it's really about the stock market. And, it, and it's a, it's, he takes a very complicated... I think it's very hard as an author to take something complicated and make it very simple. Yes. And that's what J.L. Yes. Collins does with the stock market. And he just really talks about, you know, it's, it, it's, it's along the same lines of, of the psychology of money and the Ronald Reed story and that uh, by investing early, right? Watching your expenses, being frugal, mm-hmm. um, playing the long-term game, yeah. you can look up and at a certain point in your life, you're financially free. Mm-hmm. And um, which is what a lot of people are going towards. But um, one of the things one of the books mentions is is that we have a um, what's weird about 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 someone who looks rich versus someone who's wealthy. Like I view someone who's wealthy as someone who has assets, but they're not necessarily showy in their spending. Mm. Uh, but the 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 models that we see, the things that we see around us about about money, is really about people's richness, right? And he right. talks about how if somebody pulls up in a $100,000 Lamborghini, you, you think make they're an assumption. rich. Yeah, yeah. you mm-hmm. make an assumption about uh, how about their wealth. But all we know is that they're $100,000 poorer than, yeah. than right. before they that drove that off the lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like, if you want to have a big life, right? And, and if mm-hmm. you want to have a big business, same thing. You yeah. need to, um, you know, kind of start early. Watch your expenses. Um, don't go, don't go crazy with anything. And then you can look up, and and you basically can have whatever you want. So, those were both really awesome books for me. Love, Love that. that. Well, I have a book. One of my top threes on money feels like a good time to jump in since we're on a theme. Um, and it's called, and it's very recent for me. And and I will read it again. Very rare for me. Also, I need to read a book again. Uh, it's called The Wealthy Code by George Anton, or Anton, I don't know, A-N-T-O-N-E. And, and here's what I'll caveat it. You know, a lot of you guys, especially our regular listeners, know that I'm on my own journey with money, just you know, like anyone is. And um, I've, I've made a lot of money and I haven't always made the wisest decisions. And I'm, I'm extremely committed to a, a, the path that I'm on right now to build my net worth. And so this, the caveat is, this is a probably a basic book for some of you, but for me, it is perfect. I've never had a book go through definitions and lay it out so simply. And, and what the te- the basic premise is, is rich. Definition of rich is having a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Definition of wealth is having enough passive income to fund your life. That comes mm-hmm. first. Nothing wrong mm-hmm. with being rich, but the, the wealth comes first. And so you can be rich and wealthy, which would be great. And he goes into there's kind of three primary tenets that that you need to focus on. You know, number one is appreciation assets. Number two is cash flow assets, and then number three is how you're going to get your income. And that's really the formula to becoming wealthy. And so, what what's cool about the book is, you know, I I'll admit it openly. Like I've struggled with these like cash on cash returns at five percent, and I nod my head and I act like you know this actually like I actually understand it now. I actually understand. What a loan constant in is, what a spread is, what um, you know. Oh, it's a That's formula. Awesome. Like I need to make my my you know interest rate lower than my cash flow return. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. like it's just it's one of those books that it's like it's amazing. It just lays it all out and gives all the definitions. I have notes in the margin. I have underlines. I have notes in my iPhone from it. It's almost like a a, a textbook, but it's written you know pretty well. And it's um it's not a fancy book. Like when I got it. Um, 
someone recommended it to me. I was like, is this the right one? It looks like he self-published it. Like, so I'm just prepping you like it's not a... <laughs> like it's not graphically designed, but it's just been, it's been one of the best books of the year. Well, love that. I'd, I'd love to just make a comment on that, Via, is yeah. that your wealth building journey is pretty new, right? Mm-hmm. Past couple yeah. of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what I want our listeners to understand is, is that if you don't know what cash on cash return is, or if you, if some of the things that we're saying don't sound, um, you know, sound alien to you, yeah. then you too can go on a journey. And in as little as a year or two years, you can have yeah. an understanding of yeah. money and the stock market mm-hmm. and things like that. And it's not something for everyone else. It's not someone something for your spouse to deal with um, or your CPA or your bookkeeper. It is a journey that you can go on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't have to read 10 books a month. You can <laughs> read one book a month and look up in two years and, and really know a lot. And also, but no I like to what go. Income, income is. Yeah. You know, that you yeah. learn from a janitor, you learn from a, you know, that's what's so powerful about these books is like, um, you know, you, you can see yourself in all of these different positions in terms of income, and there's still a path uh, mm-hmm. for building wealth and, and learning about it. And I love that about that. Mm-hmm. What I like too that um, what you're hearing from each of us is we go deep onto subjects. It's not that we just, like read a book on one subject one time and we don't read about it again. I think that the theme that you're hearing is is that you know we we did a whole episode around knowing your numbers and money. So if you haven't listened to that one, you should. And the the lesson I want you to take out from hearing everybody talk about books about money is that it's a journey. It's it's something that we're constantly working to add to our knowledge and deepen our understanding because what you focus on expands. And yep. when you can focus on you know, where your money is going, I, I can guarantee you it's going to go more places that you want it to go. That's right. My next book is Business. Um, and Sarah and I think both had this one on our list is uh, The 12-Week Year by Brian Moran and Michael Lennington. And uh, I, I'm going to be honest, I always felt like um, every year we get ready for our annual business planning. Every year, like all of this energy goes into it. And um, we spend all this time and all this work creating this annual plan and then, you know, like in March, the pandemic hits. And I was so ticked. And right. And, and before that, I'm really worked up about it. I am really worked up about it. This book I am passionate I about. You guys can't see her, but I mean, her like face is getting yeah. red. She's like, got a really mean Seychelles. Like, she does face. not like yearly business yeah. planning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it's I just, true. I kind of feel like it's a little bit of a sham because, you know, like we did this whole business planning last October as a team. It was awesome. And by January, my entire team looked completely completely different. And then on top of that, we start rebuilding and we're remargining our business and everything. And then a freaking pandemic hits. And I'm like, what? What the heck? Like, what's, what's the point that of Mike a business Tyson plan? Quote? What's the oh. Mike Tyson quote? You you make plans until someone punches you in the face. I don't know. <laughs> what is it? That is my year. That is well, my yeah. year. Via and that's ironic because Mike Tyson is someone who made millions and millions of dollars yeah. and ended up bankrupt. And he also lost it. he was yeah. throwing his gold coins in the water. Basically. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And so what I like about the 12-week year is it basically takes, yes, you still are creating an annual plan. I don't get to get rid of that and I'm not planning on it. And what I like about it is, is it breaks it down into more bite-sizable chunks of 12-week sprints. And actually, our whole team is implementing it. And basically, the goal is then is to put the pressure 
every 12 weeks on accomplishing your goal for the 12 weeks so that you don't look up, I don't know, in month three and have a completely different year, like a pandemic that punched you in the face. Or I think what a lot of people do is they wait until October or November of the year that they're in to accomplish their goals. And they look up and say, shoot, I have to like triple time it coming into the holidays because I'm so far behind my goals because I wasn't paying attention. So yes. I'm, I'm loving this book. Our team is loving it. It puts a lot of support and focus and structure around it. So if you're someone that maybe has some strong feelings about any business planning this year, like I might, <laughs> maybe it will be so some good starting a support group. You. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be able Just to find comment. the information in the show notes. Yeah, leave, <laughs> leave, us a, leave us a comment and a review about our support group and we'll come find you and we'll, we'll have it. So... <laughs> Okay, so, Seychelle, you know, the quote is really quick, Sarah, before you go in hear. there, it's yeah. everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yes. Or punched in the mouth. But you punched said it like That's what my you cousin said. does. Yes. Yeah. I like punching the face. I like punching the face. Yes. Until I get punched in the mouth. Holy field. Yes. No, 12 week year was on my uh, list too. And unlike Seychelle, I, I, would, I will lead the planning, loving business planning uh, <laughs> group uh, because, and that shows the power it of this book. Yeah, it, is, it is. Yeah. Good. It's actually my favorite time of the year is what we're in right now, which is like big planning. But what I love about the 12 week year, what I loved about it, and my entire leadership team has loved it as well, is we like deadlines. Yes. And a year is a long deadline. Like a traditional is. year is totally a long agree. deadline. And what has been great is, is and we, we've always looked at quarterly numbers and things like that, right. but treating 12 weeks like a true year where you have, and, and making sure that your team is hitting the numbers that they need to hit and mm -hmm. each person's hitting the numbers that they need to hit and having that deadline is so, so powerful. I also loved in the book how it's very, very simple. Yeah, like he talks about uh, weekly accountability meetings. They call them whams, um, yep. and he goes on and on about these meetings. And it's like super simple, but it's like he has, does such a great way of explaining just the power of it in uh, fifteen how you do it minutes. Yeah, how you mm -hmm. do it exactly. So that was on my list too. Um, Twelve week year, and then I also am looking at all his material. He has like a field guide, things like that. So. Really cool. Okay, my third one is uh, a very popular book, which you're probably going to say I'm late to the party on, but well, there you go. It's called The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. And I just thought it was absolutely brilliant, outstanding. Mm -hmm. He introduced me to the concept of thinking time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, creating space in our day to not have demands on our time and to just be able to think out the problems and the big stuff. Noticing a theme, by the way, stillness yeah. is a theme. <laughs> Gee, Via needed to not blow and go. I love quoting Wendy, the blow and go. Via needed and to slow down. <laughs> what a shocker. But um, yeah, it's great. He kind of goes into core disciplines of thinking. And I think that what I liked about the book is there's so many focusing questions. And it's really a book based on a premise of focusing questions and thinking time. And I loved it. And it's filled with anecdotes and stories. It is superb. And just a little plug for Audible... This was a great book to listen to on Audible. 
And, and I think it's a good book where I then went back and I, I Googled some summaries and I sort of like, because there's so much content, I did end up kind of typing up notes from various summaries because I listened to it. So I don't know, I'm torn. He's such a good narrator. I loved listening mm-hmm. to it, but I could see yes. someone wanting to read this and write in the margin and take notes. So yeah, that way. one was a read for me. I really liked the, I get that. That's the, a good being able to anchor one. that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a good one to put, so read, pause. Think on read it again. Is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah sure. super powerful. That was not that was on my list this year too. Oh, cool. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> it's such a good one. Who has any left? I have, I have one more. I think. Go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so this book actually was our whole theme of 2019 for our team, and I picked it up again recently, and um, I, I'm getting a theme right now. I, I I hadn't read a lot of books multiple times. Uh, but recently, I'm g- going back to some that just are really grounding books. Um, but it's called Remarkable. And it's by uh, Dr. Rhea D. Ross and David Salyers. It is a phenomenal book for uh, leadership. It's a phenomenal book for being a team uh, and, and showing your value. Um, and so like their sort of tagline is maximizing results through value creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one part, and so I, I wanted to read it again. My number one strength on Strength Finders is competition. And it's both an awesome thing. It also can like eat you alive <laughs> when that yeah. when you're so uh, competitively leaning. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> uh, and I just love when he talks about competition and how to look at competition and how if there is no competition, if you're constantly looking at how to create more value. Mm-hmm. How to create more value for your customer? How to create more value for your team? Um, it's just—it's a pretty easy read, I would say, uh, but just a phenomenal one. Um, and it's also just a great theme if you—if you like to have a theme for for your year, it's a great theme mm-hmm. on that because your team can go all in all in on it. I love that. That's awesome. My final one is uh, "Fierce Conversations" by Susan Scott. And it's one that I read um, when in my like mid twenties. Um, when I was really needing help learning how to have productive conversations. And I reread it again this year because I think this year required a lot of communication like we talked about on another episode. It required a lot of vulnerability and it required a lot of tough conversations um, and honest conversations. And so I reread it for tools. But I mean, you know, if I were to sum up this book in one sentence, it would be, right, uh, relationships succeed or fail slowly and then suddenly, one conversation at a time. Yeah, and uh, it can either be one conversation had or one conversation missed, and um, that for for me has been pivotal in working to help keep healthy relationships in my life that I want to keep, and also evaluate evaluating maybe where some have failed, and parts that I need to own in that relationship to move that forward in communication. And so that's just it's been a really good refresher for me on a skill set that I think is really key when you're in the middle of tough times. Another one with that goes along with that, and mm-hmm. say we're like on the same. I know uh, wavelength like, today. Yeah, yes. uh, is fierce leadership. <laughs> I love leadership is also mm-hmm. phenomenal too. So I, yeah, I actually I deleted it because I was trying to do the top three, but I was like, yeah, ah, that's a good one. It's fierce a good, leadership. yeah, yes. it's a really good one. Can yeah. I give you a funny one that we were yes. talking about before we hopped on? So uh, you know, homeschooling is awesome and. So Quinn and I have been trying to find levity in books that we're reading. It's so great. I'm so like, 
Like affirmation. <laughs> I am great at homeschooling. That is an absolute affirmation and probably not the truth. Um, <laughs> my affirmation is I'm not going to mess up my daughter too much in one year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with you on that. So at bedtime, Quinn found this book. We're still at my in-laws up in Michigan right now. And we found this book in like the shelf that's called Why My Kid Is Crying. And it's this picture book with little statements down below of toddlers like losing it and then the reason why they're losing it. And if you if you need a good like belly chuckle laugh, like it's it I is chock full of like 150 reasons why toddlers absolutely lose it. And if you're listening to this and you're a parent, you will completely resonate. So if you need a good <laughs> chuckle, Quinn thinks it's hysterical. And uh, we've we've been enjoying that one. So that's a good that's a good segue to tell everybody that all of the books we talked about, including that one, we will put in the show notes. So if you're driving, you don't have to worry. Although we want you to listen to us over and over again, but you don't have to. We're going to put them all in the show notes. And I think that, you know, as we kind of summarize our top books of the year, um, something that I, I can't remember which one of you said, but but I think you can start to hear that what we focus on is what we're probably reading. And, mm-hmm. and we're probably getting the most out of it. Wendy and I are both kind of in the sync right now. We're reading a lot of money books uh, you know, together. Like I'm reading one of the ones she referred to me. I hope you go read The Wealthy Code, Wendy. I can hear you guys, Seychelle. Yeah. yeah. I put I some in my that. Amazon cart from you guys on this. Yeah. It's good. I, I know, right? And I can hear Seychelle and Sarah. There's a lot of crossover there. So what, whatever we're focused on, we're probably reading more about. And so I'll, I'll end with the focusing question that I think all of our listeners can ask yourself. And it's, if you've identified something as a priority, uh, where are you spending your time? Are you spending your time reading about it and learning it and studying it and trying to get better at it mm-hmm. and trying to be a master at it? And so that's probably the biggest takeaway from this list is our thought process behind it and and the lessons we're learning and the reasons we're reading them. The list itself, you know, some of them might jump in and speak to you and some might, but I think the biggest takeaway is that we're reading what we're we're deeply committed to learning more about. Love that. Yep. Yeah. So, so with That's that awesome. said, well, um, and you know, oh, yeah. it's the end of 2020. You guys That's can, right. you guys get to create your 2021. Right. You get to yeah. create your best life. That's and right. And so, figure out those books that are going to correspond with that in 2021. Mm-hmm. That's right. So we'll we'll put the list. It's all going to be in show notes. Have a great day, you guys. Thank you for listening, and thanks for being an empire builder with us. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to Empire Building. If you like what you heard, join our tribe by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and help us spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and review. Until next time, wishing you a life worth living. And remember, you are an empire builder.